0: If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to look with me in Joshua chapter number 3. Joshua chapter number 3 as we continue on the sermon we started last week. We'll look at Joshua chapter 3. Begin reading in verse number number 1. Joshua 3. Verse one. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and when they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. There shall be a space between you and it about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant, and went before the The people Now, for time's sake, I'm going to skip down to verse 15. Verse 15, if you'll see that, it says, And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaratan, And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. And we're going to stop there on the scripture reading for this point. And I want to, if you didn't catch the message last week, the sermon title is Some Things We Should Never Forget. Things We Should Never Forget. And we have wonderful examples in the scripture. And I want to use this analogy, of the children of Israel, and a very important time in their history as a nation, and how God worked with them and through them, to see some some wonderful things happen. And uh, we make the uh, application from the Scripture here in our life that there are things that God wants to do for us, things that God has done for us. And through all of that, there are some things that we should never, ever forget. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege to come to your house today to sing the songs of praise. Lord, to lift our hearts together in prayer. Lord, to worship you in song. And, Lord, to now take the Word of God and open it up and uh, preach what thus saith the Lord. I pray that you'll help us through this time. Lord, that we'll learn something that will be beneficial. Lord, that will help us be better Christians for you. And, Lord, help us not take for granted your goodness in our life. Lord, help us to always, always remember the things that you have for us. And, Lord, we know that there are many that have uh, burdens on our heart with sickness and, and uh, loss of loved ones or, or different illnesses, and things people are going through. Lord, we ask You continue to be with those, touch them, help them through their difficult times. And Lord, it's my prayer, uh, most of all, if there be one here today in our congregation that does not know You as their Lord and Savior, that today may the Holy Spirit of God convict them and, Lord, bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to have faith in our hearts. Lord, help us to have the peace and comfort of serving You. And Lord, if there's a decision that does need to be made, Lord, we ask that uh, the person that you're dealing with, Lord, they would make that decision and not walk out this door carrying that burden around. And Lord, I pray now you'd help me uh, to deliver the the message in a clear and concise way that it would be very well understood. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your eternal word to settle forever in heaven. And Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And I pray you'd make this place off limits to the devil. And the forces of evil that will hinder to bind the work of God. Lord, may you have free reign and free course over this place today. Forgive me where I fail thee. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. Things we should never forget. And one of the first points we looked at last week. And as a matter of fact we didn't really get past that. Was we should never ever forget who is with us. We should never ever forget who is with us. Now. In Joshua chapter 3, if you look at verse number 5, I want you to see something there. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, let me just let you know who he's talking to here. He's talking to a people who are the very children of God, who have already seen God do some great things, by the way. This ain't the beginning of miracles that, that God had did for them. God had already done very, very great things. I mean, they had seen God... Uh, uh, provide manna they, they have seen God uh, send ten plagues To Israel they, they they seen the working power of God already But now here comes Joshua Who's now the leader by the way Because Moses had died Remember, And Joshua's telling the people uh, That tomorrow the Lord's going to do Something very wonderful Some mighty wondrous works among you Now with that being said uh, There was some some steps of faith If you will That God wanted his people to take Now, that's why he told them the very first thing there. Joshua spoke to the uh, people there and he said to them, Sanctify yourselves. Okay? Get yourself ready. God's going to show up tomorrow and do something great. Now, when you talk about sanctify and you start studying that and you come across the word consecration, and it kind of goes together, that they were to, to sanctify or make themselves ready by consecrating. And the word consecrate basically means to clean yourself up. God's going to show up and going to do something very wonderful. Now, God is going to do His part. The question is, are we going to do our part? And that's what the ideal was. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Imagine all the dust and dirt and everything. But Joshua's got a new word of revelation for them that God has spoken to him. And God is going to do something great. But you got to sanctify yourself. What does that mean? Well, there's too many people that, that are Christians. Uh, they've been delivered out of sin and all that. They've been saved. They've crossed that part. But they're still they're, they're bringing in parts of the wilderness with them in their Christian life. God doesn't want that. He wants you sanctified. He wants you clean. So you'll be able to walk in, in the victorious way that He would have for you. Now, th- think about that. There are steps of faith that are required by God. Not required by me, not required by this church, required by God. And if people are not willing to sanctify themselves, they're not going to live in the victorious Christian life that God has for them. We talked about moving forward, taking the steps forward in the Christian life that God would have for you to take. If we're going to to move onward, you have to take those steps of faith. The sad thing is there's a lot of Christians, uh, they have stopped moving onward. They have stopped taking the steps necessary to grow as a Christian. Now, if, if we was to look at it and to see God was going to do something great for them. And then when you start reading it out, we read through the scriptures and we'll, we'll look at it again. I mean, there had to be some faith involved. I mean, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It wasn't like it was a half dried up uh, river they were walking through. And we're talking about at the time of harvest where the, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. In other words, there was going to be something very, very miraculous that nobody could question. God was about to do something very, very great. You know what? God is telling us today, move. Take your step. But we, we are the type, we look at it, that Jordan River is overflowing the banks. It, it, it's, it's flooded. We say, God, oh, that looks kind of rough. God said, take the step. God, but I'm scared. I'm scared. Take the step. God, I I really want to, but this, this could wind up bad for me. God says, take the step. Why? Because He already knows He's going to do His part. God doesn't say, understand me. He says, trust me. And there's too many people, if they don't understand it, they're not going to do it. And that's not how God operates. God operates by our faith, trusting in Him. God says, show me your faith. Now, there might be some of you visiting with this for the first time. And I understand Christianity. You might not understand all the concepts of it. and that's understand. Let me say this. The only way that you're ever going to get to heaven is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first step of faith. That you take that step toward Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whose church you belong to. It doesn't matter how many times you got baptized. It doesn't matter if you sang in a choir, taught a Sunday school class, or even put money in an offering plate. If you've never taken that step of faith toward Jesus Christ, you'll die and go to a devil's hell. So I want you to understand, you may not catch all of the concepts of the Christian life, but it is very important that you understand that there are some steps of faith that are required by God. We have to be saved by faith, and that's not where faith stops, by the way. That's just the beginning of faith. We live as a Christian by faith. The foundation of the Christian life is faith. we think about all of that, uh, think about salvation. Salvation. Uh, When you took the step of faith toward salvation... You know what that did for you? That secured you a home in heaven. Okay, And when you get saved by the grace of God, uh, Jesus said this, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I'll be honest with you, uh, if that glory train rolls through today, I'm saying, come on and get us, Lord. Get us out of here. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with them. I mean... I'm not saying let's all you know jump on on board and all. I'm just saying make yourself ready. Make yourself ready. Uh, there's a place better than what we have down here. There's a better place waiting for us, prepared by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. When you get salvation, you get a promise of eternal life. And matter of fact, that promise you're just as good as you're there. He's already got your name written down in glory. But think about this. If that's as far as you've went as a Christian, you haven't gone far enough. You haven't gone far enough. You might have crossed the river of salvation, but there is another journey that God wants us to take. And that's the journey in the Christian life of being a victorious Christian. He wanted to get his people to the promised land. Okay? It was God's chosen people and his land that he had promised them. And that's where he's trying to get these people to. That's what we're studying about. But there were some things that came up. There were issues that they dealt with. And there was teaching that was given that they had to have faith to take the next step. God wants you. Think about this. To have enough faith to take the step to cross over from the person you once were to the person that God wants you to be. And that's where, that's where the divine line is. There's a lot of people they don't want to cross over. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more. But think about this. Jesus... Our, our God's wonderful, darling, precious Son, sinless, faultless, lived on this earth and, and in Him was no sin. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God through Him. He died on the cross. He went through the judgment of God's wrath. Think about that. That water. Death's chilly water. Think about that those waters passed over him so that he can make a way for us to cross into the life that he wants us to have you see there jesus was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin Uh, He knows all of our emotions. He knows all that we deal with. And He made every avenue possible for us to come to Him by faith. And even in living this victorious life that He wants us to. He had to cross over the river so that we could have victory if we would take the step that He would have for us to take. God wants to remind us of something. And that's that first point. I'm with you. I'm with you. Never forget who is with you. Who did Joshua say was going to do the wondrous works? The Lord. Get yourself ready. Sanctify yourself. Clean yourself up. Consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready. Because tomorrow the Lord's going to show up and He's going to do something great. Who is doing the wondrous works? God. The Lord. The Lord. He's with them. They're going to have to take a huge step of faith. They're going to have to make sure they're ready. And God is going to do His part. There's people that have been Christians for years. They crossed over into salvation years ago. They crossed that river to get to salvation. But for somehow, some way, they stopped moving forward. They stopped going onward. They stopped taking steps of faith. Why? Because it looks a little risky. There are people that are missing the literal blessings of the goodness of God that they could have. Because it looks a little risky. Well, God, I I don't think I can do that, God. It looks a little risky for me. And God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm the one that's going to part the waters. You don't have to part the waters. I'm going to take care of all the hard stuff. You just have faith and trust me. God says, I'm with you. In every battle you fight, every time you're under attack, in every temptation, I'm with you. Take the step of faith. Listen, I understand. I I know how it is being a Christian. There might be pain in your heart. God wants to remind you, I'm with you in the pain. Uh, there are a lot of people in this world right now that are Christians. They're very isolated and lonely. God wants to remind you that He's with you. He wants to remind you that you can trust Him. Take that step of faith. I'm with you. Let's see, uh, this is, uh, this will be uh, Luke's third service as a, a member of this church. Brother Luke back here, Luke Adams. And I guess uh, starting with the second service, we already started using him as uh, sermon examples and everything. But, uh, uh when, when Luke walked the aisle last week, of course, God's already been dealing with him about things. And but, but you know what he said when he came down? He said several things. But one of the things he said that he knows he needs to make the step. I know I need to keep going forward. I know I need to go onward. I know I need to keep growing as a Christian. I know I need to take this step. Now, he's known that for a little while. But it took God getting him to a place where he had enough faith to believe that if he took that first step, God was going to help him the rest of the way. There are so many people, God wants to do great things in your life, but you've got to take that step. You've got to, So the very first thing that we should never forget is who is with us. And that's God, the Lord. Let me give you another one. Some things we should never forget. Not only should we never forget who is with you, we also should never forget where we came from. Never forget where we came from. Now we get to the second part today in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter number 4. If you'll look with me there in Joshua chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 7. It says, and it came to pass when all the people, notice this, were clean passed over Jordan. He said that at the close of chapter 3 about them getting clean passed over. They just passed clean over. I mean, he's trying to get us to realize something. Uh, they weren't walking on soggy ground. Their feet would not muddy. I mean, they passed clean over. Notice it says when they passed clean over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command ye them saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place for you shall lodge this night. Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up, every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Notice that this may be a sign among you that when your children Ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, these, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Well, all that, what does that mean, preacher? What, what's all that talking about? You get a very vivid picture of what took place. It's a, it's a reminder. Notice that God's going to do something great. Now you got to understand that the, the nation of Israel was divided into 12 uh, tribes. And God said, I want uh, one man from every tribe that when you go down through there and you're in the middle of that Jordan, I mean, it's dried up. Those stones that are down in there. And God knew, by the way, how many stones was going to be in there. They just didn't get there by accident. They were there, God knew it. He said, I want you to take now we're not talking about little bitty pebbles. I mean, they wouldn't take a little pebble and prop it up on the shoulder. Okay, we're talking about something big enough that they were able to put up on their shoulder. And he said, I want you to get one man from every tribe and 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 grab a stone. And I want you to do that. These these twelve stone now think about this. They already had the Ark of the Covenant that went before them, which was a representation of the presence of God. Now in contrast to that, think about the Ark of the Covenant, made out of gold, a very beautiful and, and just a majestic sight. They had that. But notice he said, Get 12 stones. Just, just very in contrast there uh, when you think about that compared to the Ark. I mean, it, it's just a stone, a rock. And just let that remind you, he said, of God's goodness to you. So there were 12 stones that were stacked up. They were going to be a reminder of what God had done for them. Okay, what's the application, preacher? Let me say this. You should never forget where you came from. That being said, do you have any stones in your life? Stones of remembrance of God's goodness to you? Seasons and times of your life where God moved on your behalf? I'm talking about if you haven't put stones out, you need to you need to put some markers, some stones, of places in your life where God directly helped you and took care of you, and you knew it was God. You need to put some stones there to remind it. Why? Because uh, you got children and grandchildren that need to hear from you about God's goodness, and they don't need to hear it from the preacher, they don't need to hear it uh, from the radio, they need to hear from you that God has done something great in your life. What have you done? What stones have you put out? What are the markers in your life? You know, we're a lot better at piling up rocks of hurt than we are rocks of help. I'll say it again. We're a lot better at piling up stones of hurt than we are stones of help. God wants us to remember His goodness and grace in times of, of seasons of deliverance. He wants us to remember those, those high watermarks marks in our life where God was with us. When everything else looked bleak and dim, God came through and took care of us. We need to put a stone there and remember what He has done for us. Remember His goodness. That spiritual marker, that stone. Let me say this one of the very first ones that everybody in this room ought to have you ought to have a stone of salvation. March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. God saved me. Well, preacher, I don't I don't know what the I don't know the calendar date. Okay, you may not, but you need to know that there was a time and a place where you was a sinner on your way to hell and you called upon Jesus Christ in faith and repentance to be your Lord and Savior, and He saved your soul. You need to know that and you need to put a stone there at that memory. Why? So one day you can tell your children and grandchildren what God did for you. You can be a testimony and a witness. That's the very first stone that we need to have. That spiritual marker. Here's what we really, really need to understand. In serving God. Do you know anybody today that's not serving God like they once were? Moving away from the Lord, it it doesn't happen in, in a huge spurt. Matter of fact, most times it happens in small drifts. Do we even understand the reality of that? What it means to, to drift from God? You see, you don't have to do anything really to drift from God. Just do nothing. And you'll find yourself drifting into a place where one day you're going to look around and say, where is God? And God's going to seem very, very far away. Here's where we find from the book of Joshua. Moving forward and onward with God happens in big decisions. Following His leadership. We read that in chapter 3. When they saw the ark of the Lord come through the camp, it didn't matter what time of day it was. didn't matter what they were doing. They were to close up shop, pack up, and follow that ark. That's a big step. That's following God. Following God is big and decisive. Taking that step. But if people choose to do nothing... Maybe you're the kind of Christian that shows up on Sunday and leaves and then don't care nothing about God or anything else the rest of the week. Probably you're not going to move onward and forward with God being that way. Just doing nothing, doing nothing, you'll drift. But serving God is going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a big decisive moment in your life. What about this morning? What if you feel God's presence and goodness? What if it seems so real to you right now, and maybe you're convicted to say, "I'm going to go forward with God. I'm going to move onward. I'm not going to be stagnant still. I'm going to go forward with God." Maybe you've already made a commitment to that. Maybe you've already made a decision. You know what I would say? Put a stone there. Put a marker there, so you can remember that commitment that you made to the Lord. It's important. Do you remember maybe seasons and times? Maybe it was a revival. Maybe a special church service where God met you in a real way. Maybe God's Word came alive in a a way it never had before. The Holy Spirit was working uh, in your heart and life. Maybe something like that happened. You see, it's so important that when God speaks to us and we act upon it, that we put a stone there. It's so important that it's a place we go back to in our mind we we recall what God has done for us. God wants us to make onward strides as a Christian. God didn't save you just to leave you here on this earth 75 years to do nothing. No. Uh, God saved you to be a servant for Him. To be an ambassador. Uh, to be a witness for Christ. To serve the Lord to the best of our ability and capacity. Do you remember the day when your life was marked... From moving from sin to salvation? Or you crossed over? Do you remember after that? Maybe the Lord spoke to you about serving Him in a particular manner. And you crossed over that river. You see, God, if He if He leads something in your life, He's going to help you get to it and through it. Don't say, God, this looks scary. Oh, yes, yeah, scary. And in our hands it is scary. Why? Because we make mess of things. But I'm serving a God who can part the waters. I'm serving a God who can calm the region. See, I'm serving God who can cast out the devils. Remember where you came from. Remember that God did something great in your life. Put stones there as a remembrance. And then number three. Let's see if we can get through this today. Number three. Things we should never forget. Let me say this. You should never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. I'm speaking in the the term of being a Christian today. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who you are? Because in this next portion... It's very, very detailing of what God wanted for His people. Let's read it. If you look in Joshua chapter 5, begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we we were passed over, that their heart melted Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. And at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them, they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth milk and honey and their children whom he raised up in their stead them. Joshua circumcised for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal, under this day. Now this is a very graphic reminder to God's people of who they were. Now when we start reading that first part there, unless you read down further, if you stopped in the first few verses, it sounds pretty bad. When he said he circumcised the chil- again the children of Israel the second time. It's like, oh man, they had to get circumcised twice. That sounds pretty bad, don't it? Yeah, but I'm I'm glad he went on a little further and explained what he's talking about. There were in that whole process of time There were two circumcising events that took took place. Remember, they first came out of Egypt. Okay? They came out of Egypt. Those men of war, they were circumcised. Well, they didn't go directly into the promised land. Because they disobeyed God, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So those men of war didn't make it into the promised land. But there were children that were born in the wilderness during that time. They came out of Egypt. So that's what he's talking about. These who were babies are now grown men of war. It's time to circumcise them. Preacher, why? Why is all that necessary? Why, why is all that? We've got to understand the process here. Those people, when you read verse number 4, and, and, and all those people that grumbled and complained against God. Remember, he, he put a halt to them and said, you're going to wander in here 40 years. And they did. They wandered. So that next generation, when you get to verse 6, That generation that's actually going to go into the promised land. That circumcising event, the circumcision, it was a reminder to the people of God about who they were. They were to be a very distinct people. That this this event would set them apart from the other people. Now, uh, I wonder about us uh, as his people. He wants us to be very distinct. Very distinct. He don't want us to look like Egypt. He don't want us to look like uh, Canaanites. Uh, He wants us to look like his people. And and, and when we read all that and put all that together, that spiritual marker, you're talking about a a stone, you're talking about a spiritual marker, that event, Uh, they didn't forget that. They didn't forget that. You see, circumcision was a physical marker that they needed to be reminded of. Uh, and there's so many variances of what we can imagine as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. These young and strong and courageous men, they're about to cross over and, and go into Canaan. Maybe they saw some Canaanite girls or would see some Canaanite girls. And, and they were going to be tempted to marry those Canaanites. And God gave them a very physical, visual reminder that these are not your people. These are not your These are not your values. You are to live distinct lives. You are to be a holy child of God. Now that word Gilgal means to roll. God uses that; it's a, it's a word picture. He said, "I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt." When you read through there in verse number uh, nine, notice and the Lord said to Joshua, "This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you." Well, what's that mean? He says, now that you've been circumcised, I'm cutting off a part of that. Think about Egypt, the type of the world. I want to make you distinct. We talked about last week how he didn't want the filth of the wilderness going with us into the promised land. You know what else he don't want? He don't want parts of Egypt hanging on to us as we try to be a distinct Christian for him. In Egypt, that's a that's a type of the world, a type of the flesh. And as a child of God in that covenant relationship with the Lord, He wants us to have those things of Egypt cut off from us. You can't be a Christian hanging on to the things of Egypt. You've got to cut some things off. You've got, and they are and We all and listen, uh, and, and that's a, we're talking about in the application of the analogy here. That there are things as Christians that we hang on to in our lives, Things of the world that God says, cut them away. I've got something great for you. I've got a victorious land for you. I've got a promise for you. And I want you to understand something. Uh, It's a lot more to it than just cutting something off. We think about ceremony. This religious practice and ceremony. I'll ask you, if you've read the Bible and, and smart enough. That event that they had take place there, that circumcising. Did that keep them from disobeying God and wandering away from God? No. No. Why? Because God wants your heart. God wants your heart. There's no religious ceremony. There's no acts that you can do. If your heart's not right with God, people wander from God. Listen, uh, anybody who quits coming to church, they quit coming a long time ago before they quit coming. They quit coming in their heart before they quit coming physically. It's our heart. Our heart. When your heart is not given to God, it doesn't matter what kind of religious ceremonial practice you go through, God wants your heart. He wants to cut away parts of the heart that are not like Him. He wants our heart. And our heart is desperately evil. Above all things. Who can know it? Those parts of the flesh that cling to us and get us to go away from God. God says, I want to cut that away from you. And I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, that is a painful process. When God starts cutting away those things at your heart, that you've got festering inside your heart right now, God says, I need to cut that away so you can be what I want you to be. That's a difficult thing. But you're not going to have victory in your life until you let it go. God wants your heart... I wonder today, does God have your heart? Oh, preacher, I'm in church today. (laughs) Listen, the devils believe God and tremble. Coming to church doesn't mean God has your heart. It just means you went through an outward process. The only guarantee that your heart won't stray from God is that you give God your heart. And surrender to Him. Are you following Him today? Are you stepping over and taking steps to a victorious Christian life? Or have you stopped because you're afraid of that Jordan River in front of you? We're not going to have victory as a Christian that God wants us to have if we're not moving forward for the cause of Christ. Let me ask you this in closing. Maybe some of you are here today and you say, preacher, you know, for the very first time, I realize I need to take a step towards salvation. Preacher, for the very first time in my life, I realize I need to take that step. Can I encourage you today? In just a moment, there will be a verse of invitation. And actually, you don't even have to wait to the invitation. That's just a formal thing we do. But if God has dealt with you, there will be a time provided that you can step out. And that river in front of you is going to look very deep. And the, the priests that bear the ark, they actually had to put their foot in the water before God parted the waters. In other words, that is a picture of you taking the first step. Don't expect God to part the waters if you're not going to take the first step. And the devil's going to show you all the fearful things. And he's going to fill your ear full of all kind of excuses of why you can't serve God or why you can't become a Christian. And all the while, the Lord's on the other side saying, take the step. I'm about to part these waters for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, God's dealing with me. I know I need to take that step of salvation. And then maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, I'm saved, but I know in the service of the Lord I need to take some more steps. I've been saved for a long time, but my church attendance is lacking. My service to the Lord is lacking. My heart's not right with God. I need to take some steps. Same process. Have faith to take that step and let God part those waters. And what you'll find out is there's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's a peace and presence of God. There's victory that you can have as a Christian today. Some things we should never forget. Never forget who's with you. Never forget where you came from. And never forget who you are. Let's bow our heads if you would. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Don't want to embarrass anyone today and won't do that. But if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I know I need to take a step towards salvation. I know that. God has dealt with my heart. Not just today, but there's been other times where God has dealt with me. And I know I need to be saved. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up let me pray for you? God bless you. I see your hand. And right now, I'm praying for you. I want you to know that. Yes, I see your hand. And I'm praying for you right now. Christians, would you pray with me? We've got two people that raised their hand saying they know they need to take a step for the Lord. Would you pray with me about that? Can you do that with me? Just like Brother Luke last week took that step to come to come to the church. membership. There's some of you need to come to the, the Lord for salvation. There might be some of you need to come to the Lord for follow-up of service and things in your life. You need to take the step. If God is dealing with you, I promise you He'll part the waters and allow you to walk on dry ground and come to Him and make that decision today. Father in Heaven, now Lord, the best we know how and only by your help and strength were we able to deliver this message today. And I pray, Lord, that as, as we know, you've already spoken to hearts. There's needs here today. God, there's people that need you. Lord, we can't force anybody to come to you, but the Holy Spirit can sure bring a work of conviction. And Lord, I pray that we would have the faith and that these dear people would believe and have faith to step out and come to you and realize, Lord, that that burden upon their shoulder will be like a huge weight released when they come to you. And, Lord, for others today that might have needs that, that maybe did not raise their hand or whatever the case. God, we only ask that your will be done. And, God, will be careful to give you all the honor, glory, and praise for everything that you do for your kingdom work. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. If we stand to our feet.